Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Her Daily Drive, a podcast series designed to inspire women to find their daily drive in Jesus. Hear a range of testimonies and conversations with women of all ages about their journey, the struggles and the triumphs. I'm your host Sarah and I hope today's episode encourages you. Let's get started. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Her Daily Drive. This is the first actual recorded one of 2020 and today we're going to be interviewing Alex. Alex is a sand groper. If you've never heard that term before, it means she's from Western Australia. Alex grew up in Perth with four brothers and yes, it was as fun as it sounds. She considers becoming an auntie one of the best things that's ever happened to her. She has five nieces and two and a half nephews, the next one due in October. Alex moved to Brisbane in 2016 to study a liberal arts degree at the Millers Institute, which she completed in 2018. She's currently studying and researching for her honours thesis and one day hopes to fulfil her secret dream of becoming a rally car driver (laughs) with a PhD in human flourishing and for those of you interested Alex also has started an Instagram called she studies so that's she.studies underscore if you want to check that one out it's cultivating wonder and curating ideas so welcome to her daily drive Alex thank you so much Sarah great to be here with you before we get started into today's topic and um, your testimony, what are three go-to essentials during isolation that you're loving at the moment? So I've been obsessed with making these homemade seed crackers and I eat them with goat's cheese. So that's like my ISO snack that I have pretty much every day. I love it. Then just basically getting outside, going for a walk or a run or a hike or a bike ride. I'm very lucky to live at the bottom of Mount Gravatt, so it's really easy just to go up and down. And then the other thing is Strava app. Have you ever heard of Strava yeah. app? So Strava is like basically helps you to record active life so I use it to record how many kilometers I've walked or or ridden or whatever so you can kind of I've moved over 90 kilometers in April so That's amazing. I was pretty happy with it because I, I love this thing so considering um, isolation too. yeah exactly it's good to sort of keep motivated because you can follow other people and see what your friends are doing and yeah so those would be my three ISO go-tos that have really <laughs> I'm taking over a lot more of my time than since ISO Alex, can you tell us about your story? I was born into a Christian family and my parents homeschooled my brothers and I for seven years. So that was like all of my primary school years. So that was a great time for being grounded in the word and knitting our family close together. One of the memory verses that we learned by heart was Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So that was a truth that was written on my heart from a very young age. I've always been fascinated by big questions. I have this memory of asking my dad who made God. He was tucking me into bed one night and I was probably about five. I can't remember what his answer was, but I remember going to sleep thinking of all the questions I was going to ask God when I got to heaven. I'm not sure what they were, but I just know that one of them was definitely, why did you invent mosquitoes? Because I hated mosquitoes. <laughs> I gave my heart to Jesus as a kid, but when I was 18, I was really confronted with another big question which was what is the point of all this and what do I actually believe? I went through a season of believing that achieving my personal self-centered goals and vision for my life would fulfill me. I was at uni studying interior architecture in pursuit of my dream to become a successful designer. And I put all of my time, energy and self-worth into getting good grades and being the best in inverted commas. The end result was not good. I pushed myself so hard and was so terrified of not measuring up that everything else fell by the wayside, including my faith, health and family relationships. So after an anxious breakdown from sheer exhaustion, I had some more big questions to face like, is this really what I want? Is this worth the damage that I'm doing to myself? and my loved ones and what is really important. These questions led me back to Jesus. 
he had some questions to ask of me as well. Like, how's this working out for you? And will you trust me? I wasn't sure that I could at that stage. I was so stuck in my head. And my mom was there for me. She asked me some big questions too. Like, are you trusting God or are you leaning on your own understanding? What needs to change in this situation and how can I help? I wasn't really able to answer her but she was sure that I could trust God and that he would direct my paths. I wasn't sure, but I trusted her. So I made the decision to take a chance. What did I have to lose? After all, I'd made a pretty big mess of things by this stage. And the short version of a very long story is that half a chance is all that God needs to work with. In that situation, tentative trust grew into wholehearted trust as I grew to love him more. It would be nice to say that after that and up till now, everything's been amazing and really easy. And there have absolutely been some times of beautiful restoration and joy and desires fulfilled. But there's also been some times of just shattering heartbreak, confusion, indignation and feeling like God had turned his back on me. Through it all, the truth that carried me remained. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I had to learn to ask not why me, God, but where are you, God? What are you wanting to teach me in this situation? How can I grow from this? It built a deeper faith and trust in me. It helped me to know that God isn't surprised by my questions. He's not scrambling for answers. And knowing that he's the same yesterday, today and forever, faithful and trustworthy, even when I'm unstable and unsure. So it's given me the courage to step out of my comfort zone, to pursue dreams that have taken me to places that I would never have imagined for myself and open doors of opportunity that I could never have found on my own, giving me a boldness to step into things that scared me and that he's carried me through. And I don't know if this is just for me and my experience, but I think it's always a present continuous learning situation. And it took me a while to get to this point, but I don't think there'll ever be a day, this side of eternity at least, that I can say, I've made it, I've finally arrived and trusting God is no longer a challenge. For me, it's been a daily laying down of all the things that I cling to for security and self-worth and leaning not on my own understanding. Instead, putting my hand in his and letting him lead me in his paths. And it's been a beautiful, scary, fulfilling, surprising, life-expanding adventure thus far. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. I feel like a lot of us can easily lean on our own understanding. So it's a really good challenge. What topic are you going to share with us today? Based around another big question that I'm consistently drawn to and compelled by, and that is the question, what does it mean to be human? Wow. So set aside the next five hours, everyone. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Almost not. Why is this such an important topic in today's society? It's so important to take a step back. And to ask the question, because our society today is so fast paced and image focused and productivity obsessed and success worshipping that there is always going to be someone or something out there offering you an answer to this question in a way that's going to lead you away from life and flourishing. There's strong and compelling narratives out there that if we're not careful, they're going to shape us regardless and we're not going to be aware of it. So, for example, like there's a narrative out there that to be human is to be a consumer and just getting all you can get until you know the fad or the trend moves on and then you're getting all you can get of that thing there's this narrative out there of the autonomous individual and it's like you know i'll I'll do me you do you i'm not responsible to anybody the motto is basically just as long as it doesn't hurt me it's fine and it's sort of like this really indifferent and selfish narrative that sort of leads that kind of lifestyle or there's hedonism which is the idea of like the pursuit of pleasure and indulgence for its own sake and we hear that sort of echoed in phrases like I'm living for the weekend or work hard, play hard and YOLO, that kind of thing. 
there's also a narrative and one that I personally find I fall into believing really easily and that is to be human is to work and to do and to gauge your worth by your productivity and your busyness and that rest equals weakness and failure is not an option. There's hundreds more that we could go into but I think the key to engaging well with this question of what does it mean to be human is actually embedded in the question itself and it has to do with meaning. As humans we are meaning making creatures and we have to find meaning somewhere and I think for most people the thing that gives meaning to your life is the thing that you will worship. It's inherent to the human condition to worship. It has nothing to do with whether you're religious or not. Even if you think you don't worship something, you definitely do, whether it's money or sex or power, security, success, sport, alcohol, your image, your family. Yeah, there's a lot of really important reasons why we need to ask this question. The way that I have engaged with this question, I think I've wrestled with it for a very long time, probably since I asked my dad who made God. It was something that didn't have straightforward answers. And um, there was people in my life who were telling me to stop asking questions and to stop making things so complicated and that maybe I wouldn't be so frustrated with life if I wasn't sort of like, you know, wanting to know why things were the way they are and why does there seem to be like this sort of incongruence or like this misstep or kind of like, you know, what what is it all leading towards but it never sat well with me to not ask those questions I was kind of like well why did God give me a brain if he didn't expect me to use it it wasn't really until I moved to Brisbane and started studying the liberal arts that I started to engage with these kind of big questions of life and faith and justice and what others had written and thought about them in any structured way and for anyone wondering the liberal arts are nothing to do with political painting it's the term that we give to the subjects that liberate the mind to think for itself they're the ancient subjects that teach you how to engage with the big ideas that have shaped human history so they would traditionally include things like philosophy theology literature history geometry astronomy music and grammar and it was through these studies that I was introduced to more questions and the great thinkers and authors from history. But the problem of understanding what it means to be human was one that was just becoming more and more complex for me, but also more and more interesting. My mind and sense of wonder were expanding and I started asking questions like, what does a fully alive human being look like? What kind of things do they participate in? And where does flourishing really come from? So the question for me was actually turning into a quest, a quest to learn and think more about human flourishing. And by flourishing, I mean that state of being in total goodness, in joy, in peace, in health, growth, fullness, the concept of the overflowing cup, which is basically this sort of image of like being full to overflowing, which speaks of abundance and generosity and hospitality and needs being met and brokenness being restored, which I think is all encapsulated in the beautiful Hebrew word shalom. Alex, what inspired you during this time? So there are a couple of quotes that particularly inspired me in this question. They come from two of the thinkers that I mentioned earlier, the first one being St. Augustine of Hippo. He was a fourth century bishop who said in his um, classic memoir, Confessions, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I love this because it speaks to where we've come from and where we're headed as human beings. We're created in the image of a loving creator God and we find our purpose and peace in him. So he welcomes us into communion with him. That I feel like has been, um, yeah, a little bit of a, a, a song or just like this, this mantra for me. So it's like, God, whenever I get to that point of feeling, I don't know what to do now. I'm restless. I'm, I'm not sure what the next thing to do is. 
it's kind of like, well, you, you're not going to find rest until you're resting in me. So it's like a call to come back to him, which is, is just a great and awesome thing to have with your creator God. The second quote comes from a guy called Irenaeus of Lyon, who was also a bishop, and he was even older than Augustine. He was from the second century AD. And he wrote that the glory of God is a human being fully alive, and to be alive consists in beholding God. And what I find so captivating about this idea is that we, you and I, and everyone listening to this podcast, and everyone who isn't, we are all implied in that which would bring glory to God. We all share that potential. When you actually spend time and sit with it, it's actually so amazing that mm. we get to be sort of like swept up into this transcendental narrative. It's not just temporal. It's actually something that goes beyond what we can see and sense and understand. And it's big and it's it's beautiful and it's, it's mysterious. But I think that there's something in all of us that actually yearns for that. So mm. I think it also hits up against those narratives that tell us, oh, you've just got to, you know, succeed or achieve or set your goals for the here and now. And then everybody wonders why they're so unfulfilled. And it's because we weren't created for just a temporal life. We have like a promise on the other side of eternity, which I think is really exciting. This word behold, I, I really mm. love that word because it carries in it the connotation of contemplation of truly seeing something for what it is there's this idea of like knowing and awe and wonder but not in a passive way to behold god is to behold love and truth and goodness and beauty and all these ideals that you know light us up as human beings if we're rightly formed and have sort of like this healthy understanding of, of what it means to be human so yeah those are the two sort of big guiding ideas that have sort of like really inspired me in this question asking quest. Alex, what does the Bible have to say about what it means to be human and human flourishing? The Bible has so much to say on this subject. I have a couple, just a, like a little cluster of favorite Bible verses that speak into it. I mean, it starts in Genesis. So Genesis 1, uh, 27 and 28 is where God is talking about, I'll create man in my own image and male and female, he created them. And then he says to them, or he blesses them. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the creatures of the sea and the sky and the land. And it's sort of got in it this whole holistic sense of just blessing and creating goodness and bringing flourishing and joy and replenishing the earth, this kind of thing. And I think like that's the original mandate, the creation mandate mm. for human beings. And when we are uh, fully alive, as sort of what St. Irenaeus was talking about, it's when we're doing these things that God has originally set forth for us to do but we know we live in a, a fallen world and that reality isn't necessarily one that we live with every day but I feel like there's another few scriptures that help us to sort of understand or to put that in in context and one of them is Ephesians 2:10, which says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand and that we should walk in them I feel like that's sort of like God's imprint of purpose and design and destiny that is inherent in each one of us that also echoes that idea of the human being being fully alive in beholding God and doing those things that he had created for us to do and that he's prepared for us to do. There's another one and I've actually forgotten to put the reference down here but it's the one um, I'm pretty sure it's in Colossians and it talks about how God 
will complete the good work he started in us. Mm -hmm. So that I find actually really freeing because that means that it's actually the onus isn't on me. It's not on us. Oh, we've got to, you know, bring human flourishing to this world. It's like, no, actually, God's the one who's going to finish that work in us and through us. Mm -hmm. But the results are actually on him, not not us. We just have to be obedient and faithful with what he's given us. And then another one, one of my all-time favorites is Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. I'll just read this one. Mm -hmm. That according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness, thinking flourishing and blessing and goodness and all those things of God. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, so something we get to partake in and share in, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, that's sort of like a guiding scripture for my life. Like God is able to do abundantly more than I could ask or think. You know, all the study that I've done about human flourishing and asking this question, what does it mean? Reading this is like even my biggest idea about this is still nothing compared to what God could do and what promises he has for us. We can plumb the depths of and that we could spend the rest of our life finding out. What does it mean to be human? It means to be created in the image of a creator God who has good plans for us and has a beautiful creation for us to engage with and learn about and understand, who's just imbued us with the ability or the potential to give him glory and to love him. And I think that's, yeah, something that we could spend the rest of our lives asking those questions and finding out the answers. And um, it would be a pretty good way to spend your life. I'm going to um, add a question here that's mm -hmm. not in the thing. In terms of like finding meaning, having a flourishing life, putting margin for God in your life, mm -hmm. what are some practical things that we could do to start that journey? The idea or the, the language of rhythms is really um, helpful for me. So I try to get up early and just like make sure that the first part of my day is focused on God. Even that, if that just means I'm just saying like, welcome Holy Spirit or come Holy Spirit, lead and guide me today. Sometimes that might be all I've got time for, or I mean... In this um, season of, of COVID and being in isolation, we've been doing like the 7 a.m. prayer. That's just been something I've really enjoyed getting into the rhythm of getting up early and logging onto Zoom with like church community and just putting God first and declaring his word and his goodness over the situation, over families, over frontline workers. That's a way that we can sort of partner with God in saying your kingdom come and your will be done in this situation. The overflow of that, that I was, that overflow um, imagery that I was talking about before is that it actually calibrates. It, it actually orders something in, in me, in my heart for the rest of the day that actually helps me to, to think, okay, it's not all doom and gloom. And even though things are stressful, they don't have to get on top of me. I can still be, yeah, putting God first and saying, okay, God, like you're the God of more than enough. And I can trust in that. Like I'll lean not on my own understanding right now. I don't know how I'm going to get through all of the stuff I have to get through, but I trust that you do. And I'm going to ask you and trust you to order my steps in that. So yeah, finding some, some things that you already do and that you already have in your every day and sort of just point those more towards, towards God and, and what is true in him and true for you. 
Alex, we've come to a close. Before we finish today, do you have any final words for our listeners? Yeah, so my question or my challenge or my encouragement for you today is to ask your own questions of your own life and just sort of take stock and ask what narratives are driving my life and what questions are you asking in order to make sense of your life. So if you take stock and you say, I'm asking God more questions like why me? Why does this have to, why do I have to go through this? Focused on on you or, or, or yourself, maybe try and recalibrate those questions say, okay, God, where are you in this situation? How are you trying to reveal yourself to me through what's going on here? What do I need to learn from this? How can I be more trusting in you and acknowledging you and leaning not on my own understanding, but putting, yeah, putting you first? Ask yourself, what is the narrative that God's actually inviting me into? And is that a more life-giving, human-flourishing, uplifting narrative than the one that I could fall into just my default setting mm-hmm. if if I'm not sort of like re yeah this I don't know why I keep saying recalibrating this idea of sort of like recalibrating your life towards God and to the end goal in him which is love and promise and fulfillment and flourishing through Jesus so I love it thank you so much for joining us today oh, thanks so much for having me Sarah thanks for listening to today's episode I don't know about you but I always leave feeling challenged inspired and encouraged to continue seeking a deeper relationship with Jesus for notifications on future episodes make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and if you want more encouragement throughout the week you can follow her daily drive on Instagram or simply like the Facebook page until next time I hope you have a wonderful week Thank you.